0: Hi, my name's John Hill. I've already been introduced. Um, I guess I'll get on with it. So I'm going to talk about uh, Jesus being, when he said, I am the good shepherd. And um, so I'm talking about shepherds today. So I thought this would be a good excuse to show you some videos about sheep, because shepherds look after sheep. So if we want to hit the first video. So... um <laughs> For the benefit of those uh, listening on the recording, what we're looking at here, uh, it's hard to describe. Um, so, Well, it's not. It's quite easy to describe. It's a sheep that is stuck in a tyre swing. And hilarity ensues, as you might expect. When it tries to run away, oh, it's flying up. Oh, I, 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 I never get tired of this. I think the first time I watched this video, my sides were literally aching. Here we go again. Oh, let's watch it again. Come on. Hey! <laughs> Oh, He does get let out, I'm assured, afterwards. Oh, right, I'm feeling sorry for it now. Can we watch the next one? So again, for the people watching, listening on the recording, here's a sheep that's got its head stuck in a fence. I don't know if you've seen this before. So um, someone's help, very helpfully rescuing the sheep, pulling it out of the fence, putting lots of effort in here. It's quite windy in the background. Here we go. Hooray! No! <laughs> so it's fine. It gets up again in the end. It's fine. The, re- the video does continue. It does get up and walk away. It's absolutely fine. Uh, if we, we can just move on from there. So um, they have absolutely nothing to do with the preach. <laughs> It's just really funny. <laughs> like, seriously, i never refer to those again. Um, but I will be thinking of them if I start laughing. Right, um... <laughs> So as Simon said, this one when we're doing uh, Jesus says I'm the Good Shepherd. It's not in sequence in where it appears in the Bible. Uh, we would, if we were doing it in the sequence that it was in the Book of John, it would, I would have been doing this immediately after Paul's talk on I am the door, and immediately before Richard's when he says I am the resurrection and the life. And it's actually part of, I guess you could say it's part of the I am a door statement, it's part of the same speech, the the imagery is similar that he's talking about shepherds and actually it, it follows on, it's the same paragraph when you read it and the verse I'm going to start at, verse 10, the verse previously contains the words I am the door, so it follows straight on from the previous one and the first thing we're going to do is we're going to read it, so it should come up on here but I'm going to read it to you as well so we know what we're talking about. Just before we do that, let's just pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you care for us. Thank you that you're kind and that you're good and that you're fun and that you're friendly and that you've got so many good things planned for us that we don't even know about. God, I pray that by reading your Bible today, we would learn a little bit about your goodness God, we don't just want to read about you, though. We want to experience you. We want to know you. God, we know that you're here with us because you promised that you would be. We just come and reassure us with your presence and just let us know your goodness. God, just reveal your truth to us as we read the Bible, we pray. Because so we need you. Right, let's read this. So I'm going to start from verse 10. It should come up on there. Um, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as my father knows me, and I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. So here he's referring to uh, not just the people who's talking to, not just the Israelites, but he's talking about everyone in the whole world. Um, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock. And one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. There was again division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Thank you, God. So why does Jesus say that he's a shepherd? That's the first question I'm going to try and answer. Why does Jesus say that he's a shepherd? Um, I guess because it's like an easy to understand image. Like Everyone knows what shepherds are. Everyone knows what shepherds do. They like look after sheep, they lead sheep, they care for sheep, they tend after sheep, they look after someone who's not able to look after themselves. It's an easy to relate to picture. It's a very straightforward picture. But like, again, why does he say, like, he's a shepherd? Because there's lots of other things, but he chooses to emphasize the fact that he's like a shepherd. Like, why doesn't he say he's a general? Yeah, in charge of the armies. Because he is. We see that in the book of Revelation, like he's the general, he's the, he's the Lord, of, he's in charge of God's armies. We know that. Why doesn't he say like he's the boss, I'm the good boss? Because he is, he does have authority over all things. Why doesn't he say I'm like the good king? Because he is a king, he's going to inherit everything and he's the rightful ruler. Like what Jesus calls himself is important. That's what I spoke about last time. Like the word Jesus means rescuer. What he calls himself is important. Why isn't he called himself like the good teacher? Because he is a teacher. He reveals truth. Why isn't he called himself like the CEO? I'm the good CEO. because like, he is in charge of everything and he makes the decisions. But he doesn't choose to say that. He could have described himself in any of those ways and hundreds of others. But he doesn't. He chooses to say I'm the good shepherd. Why does he call himself a shepherd? Shepherds like after sheep I've said that already, and sheep are not responsible for themselves who 's responsible for the well being of the sheep like it 's the shepherd the sheep just have to be sheep, they just do the things that sheep do whereas shepherds they 're responsible they 're responsible and it 's like a really powerful image and it 's used throughout the Bible and we still use it today if you said like you were shepherding somebody like you most people would kind of get what you meant yeah um, uh, it 's like uh, having Looking after little Trojan. You know, sometimes people use the phrase, it's like herding cats. Yeah? Like looking after... <laughs> uh, I haven't tried herding cats. Um, so we still... Sounds like fun, though. I'm going to move this, because I like nearly did, and then I didn't, and now I'm regretting it. So I'm just going to to take a moment here to make myself comfortable. There we go. Oh, right. um right. And do you know, you know, like the word pastor... Like, I knew I had something to do with this. I didn't know that I looked up yesterday. is literally Latin for shepherd. Literally, like, Latin for shepherd. Like, if you were speaking Latin and you said, oh, there's a shepherd, you'd say in Latin, oh, there's a... And then you say, pastor. Um, I didn't look that up. I'm now regretting not looking that up. Right, um... And like so, it literally means a shepherd. So when you're being so in school, I'm a teacher. Like we have the academic side where we like teach people things, then we have the pastoral side. It was about looking after people. And it literally means shepherd. So it's an accessible image that anyone could understand. And um, just like uh, Simon was talking about the vine image when Jesus says, "I'm the true vine." So we understand it. It's a nice, easy to understand image, and it appears in the Bible loads of times. Did a search. Um, in the translation I'm using, the word shepherd appears 111 times in the Bible. And the word sheep appears 198 times. So the vine that Simon talked about last time appears 176 times. So these are, these are like images that go throughout the Bible. And sometimes it literally meant shepherds. like They were talking about shepherds just moving their sheep about. Usually, though, it meant to mean like leaders. Usually when they talked about the word shepherd, looking in the Old Testament, the Bible, they meant like the leaders of the nation of Israel. And usually they were talking about the care or the lack of care that um, the leaders were showing towards the people they were leading. Um, emphasizing the shepherding, the caring aspect or not. So here's a couple of examples. In the book of Zechariah chapter 10, it says, Therefore, the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted for lack of a shepherd. And here's another one. In the book of Jeremiah chapter 50, he says, My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray, turning them away on the mountains. And sometimes... God is the shepherd. So, in one of the most well-known passages of the Bible, even to people who don't go to church, we've got John three sixteen. God so loved the world, gave His only Son. What's the one that everyone else knows? Hint: It's about a shepherd. Yay! Psalm twenty three. The Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, the Lord is my shepherd. So I'm not calling him up. All right, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in need. So we have this. So when Jesus is saying this, like his, he's picking an image which everyone can understand just at face value. But if you know the Bible, if you know the scriptures that he's referring to, it has more depth. So there's, there are layers to what he's understanding to what he's saying. Now that one Psalm twenty three, love it. Makes me lie down in green pastures, leaves me beside still waters, he restores my soul. So that's why I think he said he was a shepherd. So it was it was an image which people could understand and there was deeper meaning to it if you looked in the Bible, which we're about to do. So we get to understand that he meant as well, that's good. Right, so next thing, why does he say he's a good shepherd? Like the sense here of goodness means like moral goodness. Like why is he saying like he's a good shepherd like why why would you want to brag about being like a morally good shepherd um like I know certain world leaders today, if they were going to talk about themselves, they would be like, "I'm going to shepherd in a way that you've never been shepherded before <laughs> like we have all the best shepherds. people tell me, just we yeah. at. You, there we go. You can, you can fill the rest of that little anecdote in your head. So he doesn't go on about being the best shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Well, we just saw a couple of earlier. There are passages in the Bible where they talk about bad shepherds. And he's not a bad shepherd. He's a good shepherd. And I'm going to read one to you. This is in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34. It's not going to come up on there. But um, I'm going to read it. If you, you might want to read this one too because it's quite long. So it's the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34, and I think when Jesus is saying that, I'm the good shepherd, I think this is a a key key bit of scripture that he has in mind when he's saying it. And I think people who knew uh, the Old Testament when they heard him, maybe would have understood what he was talking about. So I'm going to read Ezekiel 34. 1 to 16 says, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, you shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. And they wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts. And since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. And this is the bit we want everyone to pay attention to. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered. So I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them from their own into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. They shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will destroy and I will feed them in justice. <laughs> yeah. So then when Jesus said, I'm the good shepherds, this is what he's referring to. And if you knew the Bible, then you knew what he meant. God himself is going to come down and care for his people. I will do it because they're not being cared for. They're not being looked after. They're not being loved. They're like sheep scattered with their heads, I said I wasn't going to refer to it, with their heads stuck in a fence. And no one can care for them. So I will do it myself. I will do it myself. God takes it upon himself. I will care for them. And I will look after them, I will feed them. And so Jesus stood up and said, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one that you were waiting for. I'm the you know when God said that He would come and look after you, well, here He is, here I am. I'm here. There's weight to it. And we've seen in other passages that in the book of John, when Jesus makes these I am statements, that people understood who heard it at the time, some of the people understood really the depth of what he was saying and they knew he was saying that he was God and they were offended by it. And it happens here again. So we saw before how this I am statement, just the words I am on their own, Jesus is equating himself with God. He's saying, I am the eternal God. You're going to have to go and listen back to some earlier talks if you didn't hear that. But here he is, he's saying now, I am that good shepherd. I am. I am the Good Shepherd. I'm going to come and do it. I'm going to look after you and tend for you. And this is the one we've been waiting for. He knew who he was. He wasn't just like a teacher come to teach people, showing people how to live life well. He knew who he was. He knew what he was there for. And he wasn't going to hold back from it. So here's the Good Shepherd. We know what that means. We understand what that means. The next thing is a little bit surprising. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Like, that's not good shepherding. Have you ever thought about that? Like, say like you got some shepherds and they go out to look for a sheep and they come back and like, sorry guys, Jim died, but we got a sheep. (laughs) Like, no, that's not good. Like, that's not a good deal. I didn't take that deal back. No, like that's not good shepherding. Like shepherds don't die for the sheep, do they? The shepherds don't die for the sheep. That's not successful shepherding. I think we would like, you have not achieved your shepherd's license because you died in the process. Like it's not good shepherding. And just in general, here's a little point just to mention, like there are limitations to the pitch. Like, you know, like he says, like, here's the shepherd. Like, does that mean, like, why do shepherds have sheep? Like, why do they look after them? Like what's in a shepherd's pie? Yeah. You know? <laughs> has that ever concerned you when he says, I'm the good shepherd and you're the sheep? I don't want to be in the pie. Um, so there are limits to the picture. Like, yeah? So he's not, it's not that, okay, like well, last, not last week, the one previously when Paul was talking about Jesus being the door, like we don't say, oh God, if you're the door, what are the hinges? Like there are limits to the picture. So he is the good shepherd. But, It's not like, you don't have to take everything, okay? So why does the shepherd lay down his life for the sheep? Because that's not right, is it? That's not the right way around. Well, that's how good he is. That he would do that. That he would lay down his life for the sheep. Really famous verse, Romans chapter 5. Let's read that one. I like this one. Because Jesus died for us. It's what we sing about. Romans chapter 5, 6 to 8. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good one, for a good person one might dare to die. Like, you might dare to die for a good, like, if someone was, like, really good, like, you might, you might like, die for them, you might. That's what Paul's saying here. Like, if they were, like, really good, and you knew they were really good, and they were going to do something really great in the world, like, you might. You might. Possibly. But, God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. while we were still sinners, while we're still in rebelling against God, the shepherd died for us, even though we're just like sheep, gone astray he died for us because he cares (coughs) like what's the point of a leader like what's the point of leaders like what are they for because like if a shepherd is like a leader, and like we clearly see that, like if shepherds are leaders like what's the point of them and I'm I think the point of leaders is to bring the best out of those they lead. Yeah, that's the point of a leader. It's to bring the best out of those they lead. Um, it's this really interesting bit in uh, in um, in the book of Mark where some of Jesus' disciples are talking to him and they're saying, "We want to like sit at your right hand. We want to like have the top spots in your kingdom. Like we want to have. We want to be like next to you." Next to your throne. So Jesus has been talking about this kingdom that is coming. And they're like, we want to be up there. We want to be with you. And um, his response is really interesting. Because they wanted like power and authority. And they wanted to like lord, they wanted to be in charge. And Jesus' response, I'm going to look here in the book of Mark, chapter 10. So he says a couple of things. This one I like. He says this to them. He says, um, Jesus called them and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And what I like about that little passage, in the other book where it relates it is that it says their mum came to Jesus and said, we want... I want my sons to be like, have the top spots. I love that. Like helicopter parenting. It's not a new thing. Yeah. If you don't know what that is, great. Um, uh, Helicopter parenting is when like, you know, the parent. Oh, well, okay. Okay. So don't lord over people. But some people do. Like, you know, we've all had experience of leaders, haven't we? We've all had experience of leaders like your parents, your teachers, your work bosses, political leaders, church leaders, and we all have our opinions about them. We all have opinions about those who are over us. It's not hard to be sure of opinions. As both a parent and a teacher, I'm very aware that those I lead have opinions about me, and I don't always want to know exactly what they are, but sometimes they do tell me, and say thank you very much. I didn't really want to know that. But, well, sometimes when at school they say, ah, oh, this teacher. I, say, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. But they're not slow in saying. And um, you know, like when it's not done right, when leadership is not done right, like we're not slow to comment, are we? We're not slow to notice. Like it's a very easy topic of conversation to moan about politics. Or like everyone remembers their teachers. Everyone, I'm sure, I could go around the room and everyone would remember their teachers. Like, for, like the, you remember, like, the really good ones and you remember the really bad ones. Um, you remember, it's funny how, like, you just remember, like, certain things. Like, both as a teacher and as a parent, like, I worry, like, well, it's no point worrying, but I think, like, what are they going to remember? You know, they just remember, like, just some offhand comment. Like, is that going to, like, gonna, that's going to stick with them? I still remember, when I was in primary school, what year was I in? I can't remember. Um. Like, maybe an infants, we had this, um... We had this, uh, supply teacher came in, and she wouldn't let us... Usually we went to the, the drawers and got our folders out, and she wouldn't let us do it. We had to sit down straight away. And I was so annoyed about it. I still am. I don't even know her name. I can't picture her. I just know that she did it. And it really annoyed me. Like, we remember those who over... Or, like, just the things that your parents did. I just... Oh, I can't believe you did that. And, um... Hi if you're listening. Uh, I really love you. And um <laughs> we're not slow to have our opinions, but we also I like, remember the good things. I can remember like my English teacher like just really believed in me and I remember my physics teacher, he was like a typical physics teacher, I loved it. And um Physics teachers, please don't be offended. And um and like we get let down. Maybe you've been let down by Leaders, maybe you've been let down by parents or teachers, or maybe you just feel let down by like your work boss or political leaders or church leaders. Well, I'd just like to kind of introduce you to Jesus because He isn't like any of those. And like, and sometimes people, we just get tired. We just we make mistakes. Well, Jesus, like God, uh, I'm going to read it. It's on Isaiah. It says He doesn't get tired or weary. He doesn't run out of patience. The Book of Isaiah, chapter Mm forty. Have Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get grumpy. He doesn't get impatient. It's perfect. And Jesus, like we said, what do good leaders do? They're committed to bringing the best out of you. They're committed to bringing the best out of you. Jesus is so committed to bringing the best out of you that he would do whatever was necessary to achieve it, even at the cost of his own life. Even at the cost of his own life, because he looks at us and he, he sees our need. He knows what needs to be done to bring the absolute best out of us. And he's willing to pay the price, despite how great it was. Like, but why did he have to do that? That's a valid question. Why couldn't he just make everything right? Why did God have to die? Why did Jesus have to die? Well, he, God wants to put the world right, but he can't just put the world right straight away. Because we're, we're all guilty. We're all guilty and we know it. We're all guilty. And to bring justice, like he had to bring justice, but he can't just ignore wrongdoing that 's not justice. he can't just ignore it so his plan this is god's fantastic plan of how to deal with the fact that like he has to deal with all the wrong in the world, but also the fact that we've caused it. how does he deal how does he bring how does he make everything right without coming across this problem, the fact that in order to do that, we're going to have to face up the consequences of our own actions. This is God's amazing plan. That he himself would take the punishment that we deserved and the consequences that we deserved on himself. And he did it by dying a messy, dirty, painful death on a cross. And that's our God. That's our eternal, limitless glorious, wonderful God. He died a dirty, painful, messy death for us. We don't deserve it, and it's totally free, and it's really, really amazing. And that's why we love him, because he loves us so much. He gave everything for us. But the thing about Jesus is that he isn't dead. Did you know that? <laughs> he isn't dead. He's not some inspirational figure from the past. Look what he did. Oh, yeah, that's really great. I wish I could be like Jesus. Like, he isn't dead, He's alive. He laid down his life on his own authority and he took it back up again because he had authority. He rules and he reigns. He's not like a hired shepherd who doesn't care, who flees when there's danger. He looked at humanity and he saw what was necessary to save it and he didn't run away because he cares. He cares. He didn't have to. He could have just run away like the little hired servant in the story, but he cares deeply about us. He faced down, you know, it says like the wolf comes and scatters the sheep. He faced down our enemy, which was our sin and our wrongdoing. And he did what was necessary to deal with it, which was to give up his own life. And then he took back his own life under his own authority because he's God. He's God. And it's free. Did you know that? It's free and it's fresh and it's new every day. If you want to access that life, if you want to access that forgiveness, you can just do it any You know one of my favourite verses in the Bible? I love this one at the moment. It's Micah. Micah chapter 7. I'm going to read it because it's brilliant. Micah chapter 7. I know I'm jumping about all over the place today, but... Nearly apologised for reading the Bible while preaching. Good thing I didn't. Right, here we go. Um, who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and f- passing over the transgression for the, rem- the remnant of inheritance? Sorry, I remember that bit. He... Does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us, he will tread our iniquities underfoot, he will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. I like it in a different translation, it says, You delight in showing mercy. Like you delight in sh- God loves to forgive people. Like he delights in showing mercy. Like, what's his hobbies? If you ask God, like, hey God, what, what are you doing today? What's like, what's motivating you? Like, what are your hobbies? Are like making the world, like forgiving people. Like, he loves it. It says in the Bible, God delights in showing mercy. Like, he actively enjoys. Have you ever, have you ever done this? Oh God, just forgive me. Like, ah, like he loves. To forgive you. He loves, he delights in showing mercy. I'm just going to keep saying this over and over again, by the way, like in my notes. Next 10 minutes, repeat. (laughs) He delights in showing mercy. He loves to forgive you. He loves, God, please forgive me. Okay, I got to forgive someone. Yay, like he loves it. Like it motivates him, it makes him interest. I'm going to forgive someone? Yes. Like he loves forgiving people. He delights in showing mercy. Do you see the imagery? He stomps people's sins under their feet and throws it into the sea. I'm done with that. That's over there. Yeah, you're forgiven. I'll just, just don't mind me while I just trample on your sins and throw them into the sea. Stop looking in the sea because they've been squashed. God loves you and he forgives you. You know, I think what holds Christians back more than sinning is not realising that they're forgiven. yeah not realizing that you're forgiven has a greater negative impact on the lives of Christians than the sin did in the first place, quite a lot of the time, because it robs you of knowing the presence of God in this moment. like you can't undo the past, but you can receive mercy today. you can receive you can't undo what you did like it's happened, like yeah, we shouldn't have done it, but like it's happened, but right now, in this moment, if you want, you can know mercy. In this moment, like, now, 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 now. We just missed a whole load because I was talking to you. Like, (laughs) any moment, you can receive mercy. You know, okay, getting off topic here. One thing that annoys me, that, you know, like, okay, I've done this too. When people are like, oh, like I just haven't had a good week. I just don't feel, like, close to God. Or like, oh, no, I can't, like, go and pray because I just don't, you know, I just don't feel worthy. You know, just, I just really messed up this week. It's like, what, like, the implication is, well, like, last week you were worthy. It's like, you haven't understood grace. Like, you were never worthy, but you're always welcome. Like, what are you playing at, saying that, like, this week you've messed up? It's like, you messed up last week as well, but you just didn't realise it. Um, <laughs> Like, stop making it about you. Like, it's about grace. It's always been about grace. It's always been about mercy. It's always been about forgiveness. If you're you're sitting there saying, like, oh, yeah, I can't because I did something wrong. Like, you haven't understood grace. Because you think that something that you do can disqualify you. But you haven't really understood that it's all about grace. Like, always, all the time, always about God's goodness And never about you and your relative goodness. Never. It's never about that ever. It's always about his goodness and his kindness and his grace. And the minute you start to think, oh, I've done something, oh, I can't. Like, you're actually sinning because you're making it about you. So you need to ask God for mercy for that as well, you know. But it's there because he loves you, because he delights in showing mercy um, there was this time, I don't might have said this before, this was a, it was a while ago, and I was at church, it was one we way in the other building. And um, I used to like, there was a time when I used to like kind of go to the front and like say prophecies and prayers quite a bit and that. And, um, and then some friends of mine came to the church who I hadn't seen in a very long time. And, that, and I saw they were there, and I thought to myself, oh, I want to go up and like do a prayer to show them that like I've still got it. You know what I mean? And then I thought, oh, I can't believe I thought that. That's like an awful thing to think. And I said, oh, God, I'm really sorry for thinking that. Like, I promise, like, no, I'm, it's really bad of me. Like, I won't go up and I won't, I won't, I won't do any prophesying today because, like, it's like I can't believe that I'd want to do it just so I can impress my friends. And I was like, okay, God, that's it. And um, God then said to me, right, okay, here's a word. You need to go and say it. <laughs> Like, really felt it, really... Because it's like, God's like, it's never been about you. It's like, I'm going to... How dare you disqualify yourself because you did something wrong. So like, I'm going to show you this about my grace. It's about my goodness. And I had to go and do it. And then, like, knowing that... Oh, whatever. But, like, it was his goodness. Not that I'm saying that we should just deliberately go mess up or that it's not a problem or that God doesn't care. But what's interesting is that it says... I can't remember where it says this. It says like it grieves the Holy Spirit. Like not irritates, not angers, grieves him. It just upset, mourns it. This is a good verse. Lamentations, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Like His mercies are new every morning. Like, and in the evening and in the afternoon. Like, they're just new all the time. Every day, what you need, he'll give it to you. So, that's why he's good. That's why he lays down his life for us. So, like, if he's a leader, like, where is he taking us? Ever thought that? Like, because it says, like, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. Like, where is he going? Where is he going to take us? Um We've had some interesting political situations in the last couple of years. Politics has been certainly not boring. Um, So there have been some uh, political upsets recently. So there's uh, this one. Do you want to show the next one? (laughs) There we go. Make America great again. Now I'm not commenting on the politics of it uh, because not that I don't have any opinions, but it's just not relevant for right now. Um, but like that phrase, "Make America great again, right? I agree with three out of four words there in that in that hat. Um, like I've got nothing against America being great. Make America great, yes. Like, why would I have anything against my brothers and sisters in America? Like, I want Portugal to be great and Kenya to be great and Peru to be great and Iceland to be great. I've got nothing against America being great. But, like, it's a really emotive phrase. Like, it's the again at the end which really gets you. Like, it's a really good, clever phrase. Um, Because it kind of implies that, like, there was something in the past that you had that someone took from you and I can give it back to you. And the next one, this is interesting, uh... Brexit, let's take back control. Again, don't want to get in the politics of it. Not that I don't have opinions, but I don't want to talk about it now. It's like, take control. Like, no one wouldn't want control. Like, control is a good thing. Like, we all want to have control in our politics. But it's like, it's the take back control, which is like, really a motive, really gets you. It's a very clever phrase, because it implies that you used to have it, and someone took it from you, and I'm going to give it back to you again. I'm not saying what I think either way because I don't want to get, you know, distracted. And um, so we, we learned before, we can move on, let's move on, let's get rid of that one. Great. <laughs> I'm Right, and um, God loves him. Bless him, lords, and do him good. Bring him to salvation. And um, so we, have, we heard before, Jesus is like the great I am, he's the eternal God. He's the eternal God. He was there at the beginning. Like of all people, like he was there at the beginning. And he said when he made the world, it was good. He said he made people and it was very good. And when God made the world, it was perfect and glorious and good. Like of all the people who could could say, like, I'm taking us back to where we were, like it would be Jesus. Of all the people who could say that, because he was there in the beginning, but you heard it, I think it was Steve's first talk, when Jesus says before Abraham was, I am. He's the eternal God. He was there at the start. He was there at the beginning. Of anybody who has the right to say, I'll make you great again. I'll take you back. It would be Jesus. But he never does that. He never does that. He always says, I'm going to do something new. He's taken us somewhere new. You notice that? He never promises to take us back to what we were before. He always says, I'm making you new. The book of Revelation, this, again, one of my favorite verses. I'm just going to read my favorite verses today. Here we go. Let's read this one. The book of Revelation 21. So a new heaven and a new earth. So this is what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. And he says, a loud voice came from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He's making all things new. Do you remember? Yeah, he said to it was something called Nicodemus. He said, if you want to come into my kingdom, you have to be born again. Born again, Christian. Yeah, you have to start again. You have to be made new. You have to be made new. God is making all things new. Have you ever experienced the newness of God? If you have experienced, put your hand up if you've experienced the newness of God. God's done something new in your life. He isn't taking you back to the past, but he's taking you somewhere new. God is, where is he leading us? He's leading us into new things. If you've been let down by leaders in the past, if you've been let down by your parents, by teachers, work bosses, political leaders, church leaders, I want to introduce you to Jesus. He's the perfect leader. He's committed to bringing the best out of you, both as an individual and as humanity as a whole. He'll put your needs above his own and he'll buy you freedom with his own life. And he didn't stay dead, but he rules and he reigns over all things. Jesus is changed, we can believe in, (laughs) and he has authority he has your goodness at heart and he has the authority to carry it out. Jesus is amazing and that's why we worship him. That's why we get excited because he's, he's the perfect leader. He's the perfect shepherd. He's perfect. He doesn't get tired or weary. He doesn't go impatient or sad when he shouldn't be. He's glorious He's eternal. He's completely reliable. He won't let you down. He won't disappoint you. He keeps his word. He fulfills his promises. He turns up when he says he will. He's completely reliable in every single way. You can build a life on Jesus if you want to. And he will take you somewhere good. So... If you don't know Jesus, I'd encourage you to get to know him because he's brilliant. And if you do know Jesus, let's just agree together how great he is.